Welcome, one and all, to episode 133 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Hope everyone's doing well out there in radio land. And uh, I, of course, am broadcasting from Castle Wolfenstein, or uh, maybe we should be calling it Castle Swolfenstein, after uh, some of the conversations we've had. Um... I am here, of course. Wait, was that a, your your attempt at a pun? Like, what? What was that? It's. A, I'll I'll what get into that? it in a minute. But uh, as you can tell, I am joined, of course, as always, by the mistress of Merlot, the real housewife of Transylvania, and the Michael Phelps of wine, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience. That's right. That's how I come up with puns. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience. Coming up with puns is tight. It is. Sometimes I make a mistake and I'm just like, whoops. <laughs> you didn't even say it. Wow, no, I, I teed you up. Oh, oh, my I God. missed it. I missed it. Oh, that was super difficult. Very much an inconvenience. Sorry. We are, of course, also joined by uh, the man himself, Johnny, Johnny Wolfenstud. <laughs> <laughs> Ash has almost spilled her coffee. It's always something with you, Patsy. It is. Always something. Oh, it's not my fault. <laughs> It's not my fault. You stroll in here all bootylicious. That's a uh, that's an oldie but a goodie. It I guess. is. That's a callback. Yep. Well, we are today joined by a repeat guest, and uh, as in our long-standing tradition of uh, separating podcasters from their uh, other hosts, uh, ladies and gentlemen, today from the derailers, we have one third of the derailers. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's the D, the rail, or the ers, but ladies and gentlemen, it's Ripkin. Woo-hoo! I think I like the sound of the ers. All right, you are the ers that would make uh, Goobs and Jenny derail, and you're just yeah. the ers. Yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah. Yes, because to err is divine, but to, I, I don't know. To err is human, to forgive is divine. Right, 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 right. That thing that you said. Not, yeah. not to be uh, <clears throat> divine as in like, uh, like clearly. Like, like divine. Like clearly the actress from all the John Waters films who was going to play Ursula had she not passed away. Oh. Well, Ursula was modeled after her. That's right. Mm-hmm. One time ate a dog turd in a movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, right. Not, I remember this. Yeah, not a high point. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, who. man. I don't know. You're you're the you're the one talking about it right now. So right, and people are it. talking. Yeah, that's it. They certainly they, are they, talking. They, if they're talking, they're not forgetting. Yeah. That's true. That's, that's right. True. That is right. Hello. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you with us today because I know that uh, you are a very big fan of the. Uh, I guess you can call it a film franchise now. A shared yes. cinematic universe that we're going to be talking about today. Yes. Uh, we, are, of course, are going to be talking about a couple of characters, the main characters from the 2000 M. Night Shyamalan film, uh, Unbreakable. We're going to be talking about Samuel L. Jackson's Elijah Price and Bruce Willis's David Dunn. But before we do that, uh, we have some business to attend to. Ashes, what do we got? Heartburn. 
All right. Let <laughs> me put aside from that. Um, so for our getting into character question today, we wanted to throw out, we want to know, who would you rather be, the superhero or the villain? And what kind of superhero or villain would you want to be? Would you want to be like the tragic hero? Would you want to be like the evil genius villain? So who are you directing that to first? Well, you. Oh, you're directing it to me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can answer first. We, can, then, we can give Ripken a chance to kind of yeah, mull it he over, d- he didn't think know a little about bit. This question, so. You know, c- kind of like, but, but thinking it in the sense of like the unbreakable universe. So not like these crazy superheroes from the comic books, but like actual people, you know, superheroes. So if it's me, here's the thing. And. I've, I, if you're a comic fan, you're definitely going to relate to this. I think in this instance, I would probably rather be the super genius villain. And I'll tell you why. The super genius villain, and we've seen this countless times, especially with, say, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America... Guys like that with a high honor code. Um, you can fuck up hundreds of times and it doesn't matter how bad your crime is. You're just going to get thrown into an asylum and you're going to get out because it's an asylum. It's not a max security prison. Every single time you're going to get out and you're going to get to do over and over whatever crime you want. Look at the Joker. Look at Dr. Octopus. Look at the Kingpin. Like, these are guys who should have been put down and killed by their their respective foes. You know, Batman's like, I don't kill. But yeah, by by not killing the Joker or the Scarecrow or the Penguin or Harvey Dent or any of these other guys, you are literally an accomplice to hundreds of thousands of murders. Mm -hmm. So I think in this, if we're going by the, the, you know, the the universe of Unbreakable, uh, I mean... Why wouldn't you want to be Elijah Price? If you're the hero, you fuck up once and you're done. The villain can make as many mistakes as he wants. The hero makes one mistake and he's done because the hero is trying not to kill the villain. So I would go with super because if you're the super intelligent villain, you're not like a destructive force. So you're not going to have like all these you know, these cops and, and, and army guys showing up with tanks and guns and bombs trying to kill you. You know, it's just, oh, this guy, you know, he's not a physical threat, so we can just take him in. I mean, as we see in the film, we'll get into it, you know, in a physical confrontation, there's no chance that Elijah Price has against David Dunn. There's no chance. So if he wanted to... He could have taken care of everything, but he said he went to the authorities. So, in this case, I would definitely say supervillain genius. So, Ripken, how okay. about you? Okay. Uh, well, admittedly, um, uh, there's there's actually a, a line in the movie from Samuel L. Jackson's character where uh, he just mentions, you know... Uh, if a hero such as Bruce Willis's character actually existed in the real world, they probably wouldn't even know it. 
Uh, they wouldn't even know their their strength, their powers, and they just go throughout their day to day lives not knowing. Uh, admittedly, that would probably be me uh, in the unbreakable universe. Uh, and even if I did know about these powers, I'd probably be really lazy with them. Like that's just kind of the sad truth, unfortunately. Like I, you know, I don't think I'd be running out there to go like save lives or anything. In fact, I'd probably be more likely to run out there and just rob a quick bank. Uh, if I'm being honest, you know, if I had like super strength, uh, and then just get call that a day, but then somehow still justify when I go home that I'm a hero, uh, like sit on my couch and be like, yeah, no, that was definitely the right thing to do. You know, some of the money to the poor and they, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, exactly. So I would kind of dabble both sides of the fence, but for the most part, if I'm being honest, I would just, uh, I would use my powers of strength to lift my couch easier when I'm vacuuming. (laughs) Um, get my car out of like a rough spot or something. Uh, you know, I don't know. I've never been in a situation, unfortunately, and I'm sure I, I'm hoping a lot of people haven't where like they've they're faced with like a decision to like go help someone. Uh, and at least I can't think of a time where I have like so it's tough for me to say what I would do if I'm like actually out in public knowing I have these powers and you know I hear someone scream in the distance if I'd be like. Eh. So I honestly don't know. That's why I, I, I truly feel like the sad truth is that I, for the most part, would be one of the guys who would either just ignore these powers, not know I have them, or if I did know I'd have them, I would just sit here and make cleaning my house a lot easier and maybe rob a bank or two and justify that as being okay. You would definitely have to keep it secret because if everybody knew that you had super strength, everybody would be asking you to help them move. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah, right, that's right, the worst. What are you doing this weekend? That's the worst. And I'd be like, uh, you know what? I'm really sorry. I don't I don't have a truck or anything. And they'd be like, bro, you have super fucking strength. Like, do we really need a truck right now? I'd be like, shit, man. They'd be like, you can hold my fucking couch above your fucking car with one hand as you drive it down the highway. And I'm sure it would be all right. And I'd, I'd be like, oh, fuck, that's true. I can do that. Yeah. Now I don't. Now I don't know what to say. I don't have an excuse. But yeah, you can always be like one of those guys that are like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a hero." But what I'm doing is for the greater good. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, banks yeah. are greedy. I'll rob them. But yeah, yeah. If while robbing the bank, you like win and like burned up like all the mortgage paperwork. Oh, you know, yeah. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Ashes, <laughs> how how about you? What what side of the fence are you on? So so every year, my sister asks me what I want for my birthday, and every year I tell her the same thing: world domination. And every year she doesn't get me world domination, and that makes me really angry. No, that's okay. She's cute, but like. Still waiting on the world domination. So, yeah, I think I would be, uh, I'd definitely be a villain, but I think I'd kind of be like an anti heroic villain. Now, now, hear me out. Like a Punisher or a Wolverine type? Eh, Venom? Maybe, but just, just hear me out. So, we recently watched Dread, and mm-hmm. I love Lena Headey. Love her, love her, love her. And I really enjoyed her character of Mama. Now, she is a villain in a sense because, you know, she does bad things and she gets people to do bad things for her. What? She's a villain in a sense that no, she no, skins no, people no. alive. <laughs> well, she doesn't do it. She gets people to do it for her because she's charismatic. 
and she has a way of, of getting people to gravitate towards her and to want to do things for her. She kind of, kind of like a joker, you know, the joker doesn't do the bad things. He gets other people to do the bad things, but, but he has, a, I know you're shaking your head. He has a lot of henchmen. That's what I'm trying to say. But in Dread, Lena Headey's character has a lot of henchmen, but she's also doing a lot of good for the people in the like facility that she, you know, in, in which she lives, that she's run, that, that she runs, like she's taken over like all of the other gangs in this, you know, in, in this facility, this vicinity. The peach trees. Yes. Yeah. And you know, she she's she's doing good things. Like people have a why are you making that face? Patsy's she's making not this face. Doing good things. But she's doing good things. People have jobs. <laughs> but that has nothing to do with her. She gives them jobs. No, she doesn't. She does good stuff. Like I would have people she's... work I would employ people. I would have people working you for me. You can do that. That's fine. That if you if, And they would be making money and they would be giving their money. I'd be like a you'd pimp. You'd be more akin I'd be like a villainous pimp. You'd be more akin to Doctor Doom. Because <laughs> Doctor Doom rules a whole country and he does stuff for his, his people and if they displease him like a Cersei Lannister. Okay, yes, like a Cersei Lannister. Mama is not like she was like, Oh, I gave this guy a tech job. Remember Domnal Gleason's super high tech eyes that he got after she ripped his regular <laughs> eyes out? <laughs> And he was so ungrateful for that. I know. What a dick. She gave him this uh, supervision and he was so ungrateful. He certainly but, was. But but that's what I mean, I'd be I'd be heroic to to a sense. Like I would I would do good things for people as long as it was mutualistic. You know, uh, but as soon as you you turned on me or if I had any sense at all that you, I, I had no use for you. You're gone. You're gone. So you're just a straight up villain. Like they're you're a, but, you're but, a tyrant. Like, but, but like I'm not horrible. But like I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of good. Until you're useless to me, I will continue <laughs> to take advantage of everything you can offer. As soon as, but like, but like I would protect my own. I would protect them as long as they were protecting me. So you'd be doing loyalty through fear as opposed to loyalty. Yes. Yes. There is a line in Cliffhanger. Fear me. That John Lithgow says, I never underestimate loyalty when it comes freely. Because it's so much stronger than when you have to pay for it. But like, uh, but I, I mean, people would want to like worship me. <laughs> All I can say to that is Megatron and Starscream. I, I was going to say, I hate to say it, Ash, just because I know this is everything you stand against, but you sound like the GOP. No, 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 no. Okay, well, first Ruling of all, my hair is real, and, <laughs> yes. I, and I'm cuter, and um, I'm, I'm like, I would still like have some sense of morals, some sense of morals. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be all bad. Like, Patrick, you'd still be alive. That's a good thing. Only she thing need a, and... she, she <laughs> need a really good reason to skin you, I think is what she's saying. Like I'd get more chances than most. <laughs> Only sane men question their sanity. Mad men are always assured of their rationality. Do you know what that means? That means that you'd be like, but what I'm doing is for the greater good. The greater good. Oh, I didn't like these people, so I blew them up with wildfire. 
yeah, my son jumped out the window, but I don't have any enemies. Hey, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. So, yeah, there's that. I'd live in your peach trees, ashes. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I promise I won't kill you. Yay. Unless you displease me. I, I will remain loyal through fear. <laughs> uh, so. Let us know yeah, at home. Those of us <laughs> I'm worried about all three of us personally. I, I'm worried about all three of our souls at this point. Not one of us was like, yeah, no, I want to do good. Help the world. Charity. I, well, I mean, like, that's what I thought I was kind of saying. No, you oh, weren't. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not how it came up way. Yeah. But like, uh... My goodness. You're like, you're like Genghis like a- Khan. If you surrender and join my army, I'll just, you know, appropriate your culture. Otherwise, I'll just destroy you and wipe you off the face of the earth. Well, I mean, I don't want to, like, destroy cultures. I like cultures. <laughs> but what if they like displeased a- you <laughs> and well, were not loyal? But it wouldn't be an entire population. It would just be, like, certain people. I'd be like, who do you work for? So you're Judge Judy and Executioner. Yeah. Nice. Baloney. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, tell us what you would do in this situation. Beauty fades. With, dumb as forever. With great power comes great irresponsibility. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, Hit us up on the social medias. You know where we are. So I think what we'll do, we'll take a, uh, a, quick, a quick break. And then we'll come back and we'll get into the real discussion because all this stuff is like fresh in our heads. So, um, <laughs> uh, <yeah>. whoops, <laughs> still learning this new program. Yeah. Wolfie's got a new, uh, new, new computer. In here. <laughs> Sounded like a good show. Yeah. yeah it should jump the gun on that one. Yeah. I, I like the, uh, it's, it's from Wayland Utani. So this is, uh, you know, it's high tech. So, yeah, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll see what else we can mess up. So we'll be right back. Lots. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. And we are back. Uh, Fastest break ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, Wolfie, I, I will say, you know, I get what your agenda is. Like, get through all of this stuff. Yep. You know, get through all the kinks so that your show tomorrow is all set. 
Well, actually, I, well, I, we've used the new computer for, for, for a couple shows, but this is the first time I'm using this software. Yeah, see, yeah. that's what I'm saying. And oh, do you, you want to go and do another promo right now? No, I'm just kidding. We can do it later. <laughs> <laughs> I found the others. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, there they are. Yeah, that's some good stuff. So, <clears throat> like we said earlier, we're going to be discussing uh, the 2000 M. Night Shyamalan Shyamalan uh, Ding Dong uh, film, Unbreakable. And this is back when he was at the height of his powers before Lady in the Water and The Happening and all the other... What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> all the other stuff that wasn't quite as good as Unbreakable or The Sixth Sense. Uh, <clears throat> and one of the things I really liked about this film was that it paired up two excellent actors who work really, really well together in Sam Jackson and uh, Bruce Willis, uh, <clears throat> who famously... You know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, they were in Pulp Fiction together, but they didn't really have any on-screen time. Like, they didn't have any interactions whatsoever. But Die Hard 3 with a vengeance, <laughs> that was a that was solid. They developed a lot of chemistry. So I'm very much uh, – I was very much looking forward to seeing this. And I was a huge fan when I saw this, and I saw it shortly after it was released on home video. But uh, Ripken, when you first saw this – uh, what was your initial reaction to it? Like, and when did you first see it? Uh, I would have seen it in theaters, probably with my dad, uh, maybe my brother as well, but probably with my dad. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, you know, same thing. I um, started immediately comparing it to The Sixth Sense and thought, oh man, which which of these endings was better? Like, you know, oh man, this guy's career is only going to skyrocket from here if these are the types of movies that he's putting out uh, is literally what I was thinking pretty much. But yeah, no, I, I loved it. I know my dad loved it. Uh, yeah. How about you, uh, Ashes? Um, so I first saw this movie about five minutes after we watched Split for the first time. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. A couple... <clears throat> what, Split came out in 2016. 16. So... We got I, Split I think on it, Black Friday. In tw- to, so, yeah, but 2016 or 2017? 2016, because it came out earlier 2016, I believe. Um, regardless, yeah. So I watched Unbreakable about five minutes after finishing Split because I hadn't seen it. I know Patsy had <clears throat> spoken about it um, in random discussions about movies uh, you know, before, so I was aware that it was a thing. Um, but seeing Split and seeing the very, 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 very end of Split... Ooh, excuse me. <laughs> which we won't talk about now. Yeah, we won't talk about now, but, <clears throat> but seeing the very, very, very end of Split... Um, and hearing certain music uh, put Patsy into this like, oh, my God, spin. And I was just like, OK, I don't I don't get this. And he's like, well, you wouldn't because you haven't seen Unbreakable. And I was like, well, why don't we watch Unbreakable? He's like, fine, we'll watch Unbreakable. I was like, right now. And he's like, OK, right now. So we watched Unbreakable <laughs> right now. <laughs> then um and i liked it like i didn't i don't know i and 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 we uh rewatched it again um not too long ago yeah a couple days ago and <clears throat> I, I feel like people either passionately love it or don't like it at all it, it's i i've heard the two extremes and and that's it and i i'm kind of i'm in the middle 
Like, I don't love it as much as you love it, Patrick, but... Well, like, not. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It's a solid movie, but there are parts that just kind of, I don't know, drag. Well, that's typical of for a Shyamalan me, film. Yeah, and I don't love all of his stuff either. Like, no, I, I don't either. I mean, um, I like Signs and, and, and... Oh, Signs is good. I like Signs <laughs> and this, and uh, I have seen Lady in the Water and The Village, and I was like, meh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like the cast and I like some of the characters that he creates, like Freddie Rodriguez's character in Lady in the Water, who only worked out one half of his body. So he had like one like super jacked arm and leg and then like a normal arm and leg. And it was the weirdest thing. But I also like Paul Giamatti and he was in it and I really liked him. Um, I definitely have more of an appreciation for it after watching it. A second time and watching it um, with more of a just like a, 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 a I can't think of the word, um, but, but but more of like a with a foreknowledge of what was going on. Well, not only that, with more of a critical <clears throat> eye, I guess that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. You know, paying more attention to the characters and certain developments, and you know, the writing and 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 whatnot. The camera um, angles, the way the perspective right. changes over um, and over. You know, I. M. Night Shyamalan has a thing where he pays attention to like the, the it's it's the small details it's the, the the real little things that you think are insignificant but aren't like I, I like to look for those things in some of his movies. I call it the Scooby-Doo effect where you have these <laughs> innocuous little details that you find out at the beginning and like little phrases and things and it's like oh it was the guy who runs the haunted amusement park the whole time mm-hmm. yeah Oh, my God, he was dead the whole time. What? Well, I think when you rewatch this movie, like watching it for the first time, it like hits you out of nowhere and you're like, oh, my God. But then when you rewatch it and it's like this is so out in the open, like everything you need to know, you're being told throughout the entire film. Mm -hmm. So the main story, if you if you are uh, unfamiliar, you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while first of all stop watch the film and then come back yeah. but the film centers we'll around yeah <laughs> <laughs> the film centers around uh two main characters again david price uh, david price elijah price <laughs> not the red sox pitcher uh elijah price played by samuel l jackson who has a real disease called osteogenesis imperfecta where your bones are very, very brittle and break very easily. Uh, <clears throat> and a survivor of the lone survivor of a train crash, uh, David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis. And their paths cross because Price is a very huge comic book fan. And he believes that. David Dunn is a comic book superhero because not only did he survive this train accident, he was uninjured in any way. Like, I don't even think his shirt ripped. I mean, it was a little untucked (laughs) and dirty, but like everyone died and the train was destroyed. He was he was slightly disheveled, but 
pretty much unscathed. It was like, super yeah. easy, barely an inconvenience. <laughs> Correct. That yeah. Accident. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How yeah. do you survive? I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Ripken, when you think of this title, Unbreakable, and you you see the things that happen throughout the film. What does the title mean to you? Because I just got a new appreciation for it um, rewatching it the other day. Is that right? I did. Uh, to, uh, well, to, to me, it simply means uh, practically invincible. Uh, they're, they're referring to, uh, say, I think they're referring to Samuel L. Jackson's line uh, near the end, actually. And it's a great monologue, his monologue at the end there where he's just kind of going off. Um, about how you know the villain because he is the exact opposite from the hero, uh, and in which case Samuel L. Jackson is uh, extremely breakable. Um, I obviously the unbreakable refers to Bruce Willis, and you see it all throughout the movie uh, with the weights and um, the taking the abuse uh, from being pretty much smashed against a wall mm-hmm. and uh, having a dude's elbows. Mm-hmm. Going into his ribs, uh, pretty much, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, and it, it, given his one weakness and what what what's that is uh, revealed later on in the movie, uh, it's still a fitting title because I mean, you know, even when you drown, you're not you're not broken really in any sense. Like I I mean, you're his, gonna die, but his, his, <laughs> his only weakness is dihydrogen monoxide. <laughs> now what Ripken's saying again if you're unfamiliar um David is shown to you know after surviving the the train wreck it's re- also revealed that he's never been sick uh, other than about with pneumonia when he was a child because he swallowed some water in a crazy way though because he survives the the train wreck and he's just trying to go like about his normal life like he just almost like he shrugs it off like oh like how many people died like 300 something like that a lot of people a lot mm-hmm. of people died mm-hmm. sole survivor and he's just like and he's miraculously unharmed yeah. right and he's just like and he's walking out and the scene where he's walking out of the hospital oh heartbreaking oh and and you know <laughs> all the all family these, members yes, yeah. waiting for all news. of these family members yeah. are waiting and just wondering is it my person is it my person that survived and he is the only survivor and he's just walking out it can't be this guy he just has an untucked shirt right like it's and, and they're just like wondering like is this is this him like is this like, this can't be you know um so it's just he's he's not only unscathed from the train wreck, but he's also like unfazed by surviving. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like he, he's just, he's had this luck with him his whole life now for the most part. And it's just, it's no, but I was, I was getting into something. I was, I was getting into (laughs) something, but, um, you know, but it, it didn't phase him at all. And then he didn't even think to question, have I ever been sick? Have I ever been injured until he saw the note on his car, which got him thinking. And obviously the note was put there by Elijah Price. And when he finally went down there to talk to the person who left the note on his car, he had his son with him. Yes. And now his son is a young, impressionable kid who believes these things that Elijah Price is telling him that, you know, comic books are a sort of pictorial history that's kind of been 
sensationalized. Well, right. There, there are like uh, living legends that have been passed down. Right. Something that was witnessed by someone, you know, instead of being carved on a, a, a cave wall, it's being, you know, put into a comic or made into a movie and so on and so on. Well, one of the things that happens because the kid believes so much, he's like, well, I'm going to go help my dad work out. And, you know, Bruce Willis is doing a bench press and he's having a difficult time with it. And he's like, he's like, you put too much weight on there. That's 250 pounds. I've never done that much. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I'll I'll fix it. I'll do it right. So his son Joseph takes the, you know, we see him adjusting the weights and he does it again. And he's like, well, how much did you take off? He's like, uh, he's like, did you add weight? He's like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to add more? And Bruce Willis is like, okay. And so they just keep adding weight and adding weight till he's bench pressing 350 pounds. Now, his personal record was below 250. And then he went 270 and then, you know, 300 and 350 to the point point where where they ran out of weight. They were duct taping Mm -hmm. paint cans to the bar. And so he's just seeing all these, you know, he's seeing this ability that he has. And that's not his only ability. He has this slight psychic ability where if he touches someone he can kind of get a little bit of their history or what they're doing and thinking and so he bumps up into a guy and he's like i got a flash of a a a silver gun with a black grip you know and you know elijah's kind of needling him he's like well not a knife not a not a taser not a baton you know stuff like that and he's just like no it's this is what i saw now he is incredibly persistent the entire time, Elijah Price. No matter what David says, no matter what, you know, how much he denies being anything special, he continues to, like, he's like, no, I know that you are a hero. And that, to me, is where the title comes in. Elijah Price is unbreakable. And the reason I think this, there is a scene at the end when they're having the the, the, uh, gallery exhibition at Limited Edition, which is the art gallery slash comic shop that Samuel L. Jackson runs. And Mm -hmm. his mother is there, and she's talking to David Dunn. And she says, he had a couple of bad spills that I thought were going to break him. But he just kept coming back. Something along those lines. But she says specifically, I thought they were going to break him. Meaning, they didn't break him. Meaning, that despite his disability, Elijah Price is unbreakable. He's got an unbreakable <sighs> spirit. Well, he certainly does, that's for sure. Just blew that's, your uh, that's, mind. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very well said. It's uh, It's... Yeah, no, it shows at the end of the movie there, too, that he certainly does have an unbreakable spirit. Like, nothing stopped that guy from uh, trying to get what he wanted or find what he was looking for, I guess I should say. Yeah, he <clears throat> he was indomitable. Like, no matter what, like, he was... We even see it in the film where David Dunn's like, nope, I just... I had somebody remind me that I almost drowned as a kid. Ooh, pardon me. Ooh. Uh, I had somebody remind me that I almost drowned as a child. And, um, you know, I totally forgot about it. And I was almost, you know, I was dead. 
and they had to revive me, and then I had pneumonia. I was in the hospital for a week recovering, so I'm not untouchable and undestroyable and undefeatable and unbreakable and unbendable and all these other superlatives. He was, I'm just a normal guy. Um, Ashes, why don't you walk us through the scene where Joseph tries to prove to his father that he is a superhero. What does he do? Oh, oh. When when the motherfucker tries to shoot him? (laughs) Yes. When, like, the kid... Uh. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously... He's at this impressionable age where you can pretty much tell him anything and he's going to believe it. And from <laughs> what he's seen so far of his dad, you know, being able to bench press all of this weight and, you know, being resilient towards certain things, um, you know, Joseph is convinced. He is 100% convinced my dad's a superhero, which I mean, I think every kid kind of believes that their dad is a superhero in some sense or another. You know, um, it, it's not until we get older that we see, oh, you're 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 mortal like the rest of us. You're you're you know, um, you're not a superhero. You're still super. I think you're great, but you know, you're not immortal. You're not this you know all powerful being that you know you think of them as you know when you're younger. So I, I you know, it's almost like played off like yeah yeah yeah. I'm your dad. I'm your superhero. But like Joseph is convinced fully convinced and he picks up a gun and points it at bruce willis where did he get the gun i forget it's bruce willis's gun (laughs) oh yeah yeah his it's his gun and he's like oh it doesn't matter because he doesn't know where where the bullets are he goes they're in your rookie of the year trophy and he's like (laughs) fuck (laughs) right and so they're in the kitchen and, you know, David Dunn is in there with his wife, Audrey, and Audrey's freaking out, like, what the hell is going on here? Because she's been completely in the dark this entire time. Um, you know, and ultimately, he convinces Joseph to put the gun down. But in order to do so, David Dunn had to admit to himself and his son that, yes, I'm a superhero. He's like, yeah, you're, gonna, I'm, I'm, you're I'm just going to shoot me. And it's just gonna bounce off, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. leave. I'm going yeah. to New York because we one. don't shoot friends, Joseph. <laughs> friends, friends are they? They they trust each other, and they don't they don't shoot each other, right? No, no shooting friends, Joseph. <laughs> like, that's such a great line. Yeah, it was. Yeah, one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, but yeah, because we we kind of neglected to mention that David's kind of going through. I don't want to say a divorce, but like a separation. separation. They're separated. But they live in the same house with Robin Wright Penn at the time. Yes. It's it's right now, right? They they just decided uh, prior to this scene that they were going to try again, that he wasn't going to leave, and uh, they were going to give their marriage another shot pretty much. Yeah, because the reason he was on the train in the beginning was that he was at a job interview in New York. And this movie, like pretty much every M. Night Shyamalan, takes place in philadelphia yes yes because apparently he was a huge fan of the fresh prince yeah yes <laughs> uh now also also too very conveniently to the plot uh right before joseph went to shoot his dad uh as a science experiment um it, 
we find out that Elijah Price had actually met uh, Audrey, uh, David Dunn's wife yes. or ex-wife, yep. yeah, and uh, explained his whole theory to her um, after he found out who she was, just as she was kind of giving her backstory. Uh, so, yeah, kind of he pieced it together that, oh, it's David's wife. Well, hey. Um, I think uh, he knew prior to that. Oh, really? Oh, you think it was a plan to, for him to go there and whatnot? I mean, he was able to track down which car was David's after he survived the train wreck. True, true. true. So I think he was, I mean, he's proven oh, himself to be Oh, what a coincidence. You just happened to be my nurse. I just happened to be here. What yeah. a twist. Yeah, what a twist. Move um, over, move over, Batman. Mr. Glass is the new greatest detective in town. <laughs> but yeah, he... And he's at physical therapy because he followed the guy that, you know, David bumped into because he is a security guard. He bumped into him and he's like, yeah, I think that guy has a black gripped silver gun in his waistband. And so getting in his car, Elijah Price just happens to see him. And he's like, I'm going to follow him. And he's like, I'm going to ask him if he's got a black, black gripped silver gun in his waistband. Because that, that's what you do in Philly. It's just a straight up normal question that you hear every day. Hey, man, silver gun, black grip. Oh, how did you know? I just had a, I just had a hunch. All right. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Yeah, basically, <laughs> especially after you chase after him going, I yeah, just exactly. want to talk to you. Yeah, I no, no big deal. ask you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say, uh, and I'm not a cop. As a matter of fact, I'm a supervillain. Slow down. <laughs> we're, we're like a thing, you and I. We're on the same team. <laughs> oh no, stairs! My <laughs> weakness. <laughs> and that's what I was going to get to. Like some of the best uh, camera work and the most amount of tension is in this scene because we've already discussed how he's got you know I've delicate never bones been so like apprehensive about stairs in my life like i saw him standing on top of the stairs and i was just like oh, yeah. oh my god don't well, they do it. have that like don't really dramatic it. like crescendo of the music and kind of like yeah the sam raimi does this a lot where he'll zoom in while moving the camera to kind mm-hmm. of create that sense of vertigo. And he's at the top of the stairs oh, now. And then he starts walking down the stairs. But like, yep. he's limping. And he yep. looks, he's, he's, he's kind of so like his sliding. Are, yeah, he's like kind of. And he's hang- missing stairs. And you're like, oh no, sweetie, what is you doing? <laughs> he's not wearing no. sneakers. He's wearing like leather-soled shoes. <laughs> and, you know, he says at the beginning a of the vil- movie. A villain in sneakers. What's wrong with you? <laughs> a villain in sneakers. Like, yeah, uh, he's got to dress classy. It's like, and, fuck, this is convenient. But goddamn, I wouldn't look very villain-like in these Nikes. He could wear Chuck Taylor's. Those are classy as fuck, man, yeah. But he could be, uh, you know, he's going down the, the stairs, and he says at the beginning of the movie, like when he's a little kid, he's like, kids call me Mr. Glass because I break yeah. like glass. And I'm like, yeah. he breaks like breadsticks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, he also actually says to uh, David Dunn in the movie, uh, and, it's, and, and this is actually crazy to think about, that he has the lowest form of this disease. Osteogenesis and it, imperfection. Yes. Yep. Yes, and he's only at stage one, and it goes up to stage four, and he even says the stage fours don't last very long. Well, it's, and so, uh, 
it's because uh, the way this disease works is like I I, I watched a, a program about this. There was a this is years ago. They were had like a series of shows, and I was just hooked on them because I showed them back to back to back. It was one day that I was like, oh, I wonder what's on TV, and it was like. The first show was about Proteus Syndrome, which is what the Elephant Man had. And the next show, like right after it, was about Progeria, which is the one where you age seven times faster. And then oh, the next damn. one was was this. And it was like, it's like, oh, man, like this is this is intense. And, you know, there was this woman whose husband left her because she and their two kids had osteogenesis imperfecta. And she married another guy who also had, like, two kids who had osteogenesis imperfecta because so did he. Like, they all had varying stages, like, one through three. And, like, they're listing through, like, you know, oh, he's, you know, dislocated this and broken that and done this. And it's not even breakfast. And it's like, this is a daily routine. Like, oh, God, guy goes to grab a gallon of milk out of the fridge and he does it too fast and dislocates his shoulder. Like, it was insane. Like, they, they were showing uh, he was a martial arts teacher. So, and he was. Why? To kind of <laughs> hone his body to kind of combat the disease. So, it wasn't for like, they weren't like, hey, let's do some sparring because I feel a <laughs> hospital visit Jesus. coming on. Ugh. But it was to kind of like control, like the way, uh, you know, older people will do Tai Chi to kind of keep their their muscles and their, their themselves, you know. Moving, Tight. yeah, like supple as opposed. I guess to... I get it. I guess I get yeah, it. I, I guess it's like, a form yeah. of conditioning. Yeah. yeah, and one of the kids. Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, one of the kids like moved too quickly in a certain way and like dislocated his hip. Like it was, it was insane. Like this stuff that you take for granted. Like guys, like, well, I'm gonna get out of bed and put on my slippers. Swings his feet over the bed, steps down, snaps his ankle in half. Jesus. And but it's there's nothing you can do. Just laughs it off, eh? Well, he didn't he didn't <laughs> laugh it off. He was like, yeah. "Oh." But at this point his pain I, I is so high. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I I would hope so. I will say though, like when Elijah does slip and fall down the stairs, oh. But so but that yeah, yeah, you know what's brutal? The breaking of his glass rod. Oh, his oh, cane. No. His cane just completely shatters. As a metaphor, uh, right? like, in your fucking yeah. face. Right? Like, I just thought that that, I mean, that, as horrible as that scene is, the it's so poetic. Well, it's it's like the old drug commercials. Like, this is your body. This is your body on osteogenesis imperfecta. Smash! <laughs> Only a true villain, too, would go out and have a cane made of glass. Knowing right? that growing up, the kids called him Mr. Glass. I mean, he-, he also had, like, the giant purple trench coat. And do you remember the inside of his car? Like, I was going to mention the inside, the inside of, of his yeah. car. You know, yeah. but, but it, so it was um, that scene was almost uncharacteristic of him because he does take all of these precautions. You know, the inside of his car is super padded, you know, yeah. and, and other things that he won't do because he, he knows that he'll potentially put himself in harm's way so the fact that he was completely reckless in this one scene 
you know, because and, oh, he was and, so and, desperate, right? And, yeah. and you know, paid the ultimate price for it. You know, broke himself. You know, you see him afterwards in a wheelchair, and his leg is literally being held 18 together. Eighteen break spiral fracture. Yeah. You know, and so they, they discuss his. They're like, you're going to need, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair for two months, physical therapy you know, on a cane or on crutches for twelve to fourteen months. Physical therapy for like, you know, two years after that, like, yeah, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> what I would like to talk about is their personal journeys and how their journeys actually. So it's unbreakable. You think it's about David Dunn and his discovery of him being unbreakable and becoming the superhero but i really honestly think that the movie's about elijah price like solidifying his role as as mr glass right because david was never searching for his identity well he was searching for something because he woke up with that little bit of sadness every day he (laughs) was never quite the same since he quit football playing football after that car accident that he claimed he was injured in but wasn't, but used that as an excuse to stop playing football to appease his then-girlfriend, now-wife, and then at the beginning of the movie, estranged wife, um, separated wife, you know? So he was looking for something, something to give his life meaning, some, some kind of purpose, some kind of, I don't know, pep in his step. And, you know, he learned to... Not so much learned, but almost like he forced himself to hate football, you know, and, and it's like, we don't talk about that. I played football. I don't do it anymore. I'm not really into sports. You know, he took a job as a, as a security guard, um, you know, and, and it's like he was just kind of going through the motions day after day. He loved his son, but, you know, like it just it just wasn't enough. Well, at the same time, he also, I think, pined for it. Because well, uh, well, and that's you know, the he thing. would sit like, he there was staring for, at the field. He gave up this love that he had, this great love, you know, thinking to himself, God, I could have been something. I could have been a contender, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, giving this up for this life that he thought he wanted. And I don't think he regrets it fully, but there's something missing. <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't know what's But exactly, missing. he doesn't know what's missing. He just knows that it's just not right, that there's something, something's not there. And Elijah Price coming into his life and, we'll say, bringing things to his attention and going through this journey, he doesn't have that sadness anymore. He doesn't have, you know, his, his family life is getting better. You know, he has a purpose. Yes, and he's he's figuring out why he gravitated towards the profession he gravitated towards. Um, I have yeah, another point, but I'm choking right now. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm just trying to fill some air while you gain your bearings. Oh, my goodness. Now, Ripken. Yes. What, uh, what did you think of the reveal at the end of this? While we're waiting for ashes. Oh, are you back now? Well, uh, Ripken can talk for a little bit. That's fine. (laughs) What did you think of the reveal at the end when you finally figure out 
all the things that he says, and then you go back and you rewatch it, and it's like <sighs> everything that they were saying is is about him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I it was it was amazing, extremely well done. Um, and it's actually amazing to me at at no point throughout their uh, you know, meeting each other prior to, did he ever even remotely like kind of glance him or, you know, bump him or something that, uh, you know, the, the big reveal wouldn't come to his attention sooner, but nonetheless, it was, it was, uh, very well done. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I love the whole thing and it really shows the, the, the lengths that he was willing to go to, to find his, uh, his opposite, his 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 rival, if you will, his arch nemesis, and uh, it it was well, it was pretty terrible lengths that he that he went to, but uh, nonetheless, uh, a great ending, uh, regardless. Um, yeah, yeah, one of the one of the one of the better twists in uh, in, in movie history. Well, and, it, and he even says, you know, and this is actually printed on the inside of the the copy of the DVD that I have. Like, I got like this special edition. Oh, like in 2002, back when like it was a, it was all the rage. I think I spent like twenty five dollars on it. But oh it's damn! Like, it's like you know what the scariest thing is to not know your place in this world. And he's like, and now that we know who you are, I know who I am. Hmm. And it's just like this. You f- you almost feel bad for him, but Ashes, go ahead. Okay, so that's the second point I was going to make. I really feel like the film is about Elijah Price and his journey. David Dunn was imperative to that, like, and, and for him to have David go on his journey to facilitate Elijah or Mr. Glass's journey. Um, but I feel like Elijah Price starts out being almost like a Nick Fury-like character or thinking that he's a Nick Fury-like character. Setting up the Avengers. He is going to find a superhero. And that's his goal. Which is funny because obviously Sam Jackson plays Nick Fury. Yes. But (laughs) but that's what I kind of, you know, uh, watching it a second time. That's the gist I got. He's like, I'm going to find superheroes. I'm going to find people who are opposite of me. You know, people who can can do what I can't. And thus, save me, save the world. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of things that happen in this that are going to segue into next week's show, and then, then we're going to talk about it next week. You know, but then like on on while on his journey, you know, he realized, and then that's why the ending is so perfect when he's aware of David Dunn's ability, like his his, his psychic like abilities. You know, he shakes his hand and allows him to see that in his quest to find superheroes, like this is before the movie even started, we see um, bombing of an airplane, burning of a hotel, um, both incidents resulting in hundreds of casualties, and he was disappointed that there weren't any survivors. See, this is the type of shit I was talking about earlier in the show when we talk about a villain who's doing things for the greater good. It's like, right, I'm totally justified. Look, I found this superhero. Right, but but he realized that. He's like, kill 600 people. 
you know, he realized that he's like, wow, in my quest to find you, I found who I truly am. I am a villainous mastermind. I, I mean, he turned his whole comic museum shop, whatever you want to call it, because it really wasn't a comic book shop. This is an art gallery, and yeah. this is a piece of art. You know, he had this whole office area area set up with all of these computers and devices and whatnot, you know, tracking things and looking for things. Well, and- it was basically he when he did this at the end, like he was like, hey, I'm out in the open. Here are some bombs. Here are the schematics to a, uh, uh, the train. Here's the, the, the plane. Like, here's all this stuff on my three computer screens. Like, it was essentially a confession. Well, it, it was. And, I mean, obviously David Dunn could have been like, well, I know exactly how to dispose of you, you know, bam. But, uh, but instead took the Batman route and was like, I'm going to get justice and, and called and now the we authorities. Have... And... One of the things I learned from doing research on this and also from uh, what Ripken and I were talking about off air, the uh, and it's something that I've mentioned many, many times in the show, Honest Trailers from Screen Junkies, M. Night Shyamalan planned this to be a, a trilogy from yeah. the beginning. Like there were quotes from him from 2000, shortly after this movie came out, that yeah, this is the first part of a trilogy. And then he went and got all the garbage out of his system, like after Earth. And he was like, okay, now I'm going to get back to doing what it is that I do and do well. And, you know, go back to this this original well of, you know, good good stuff. You know, and that's... <laughs> that, was, that was so eloquent. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, stuff that isn't the happening. Yeah. <laughs> Back to that well, the not the happening well. Oh, this well has like, you know, I was I was drinking out of a bathtub that had mushrooms growing in it. Like, and now I, I I'm drinking from a crystal clear mountain stream, the same one I drank from when I wrote uh, the Sixth Sense and this movie. So, you know, he's got thirteen films. Oh, boy. And, like, four good ones? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think I may be a fan of four of them. Because, I mean, some of the stuff from his movies, and I just, I'll just throw this out real quick. Um, After Earth, like I just mentioned, with Will Smith and his god-awful, terrible son. Yeah. Uh, they, they land on Earth, and they're like, oh, humans haven't lived on Earth for hundreds of years. And they're like, everything on Earth has evolved to kill humans. Really? With no humans? Everything on Earth has evolved to kill humans? I remember seeing that in the trailer, and it drove me nuts. I'm like, that makes no sense. Like, they're not there. Why would, it, and why would you evolve to kill something that doesn't exist? That'd be like, people have evolved to kill all the dinosaurs. Yeah, okay, this isn't the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Then there was uh, Avatar, the uh, the last Asian white kid, I think it was called, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently, originally, Kevin from Split was supposed to be in this film, but he really yes. he couldn't yes. figure out a way of like he didn't want to shoehorn in the extra character. 
when there is so much rich character development to be had with Mr. Glass and David Dunn by themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I do have to give him credit for that. The fact that he really didn't do a lot of unnecessary expose. Um, you know, really just focused on these two characters, uh, the son when it was appropriate, um, Mr. Glass's mother when it was appropriate, David Dunn's wife when it was appropriate. But you know what I mean? Like, not a lot of of other background noise. It, it was it was mostly these two characters, and I I like that. I like that. I mean, a it makes my job a lot easier talking about characters on air. Yeah, <laughs> and it also. We've seen what happens when you try to cram too many characters into a movie and you don't provide enough backstory. You know, but we just, saw that in feel, Batman 5 Superman. It was enough of, you know, they gave you enough backstory and they gave you things when you needed it. So it wasn't like a lot of unnecessary just clutter. Um, but it also like kind of let you come to your own conclusion as well, which I enjoy. But the writing was really well, like it was really, it was really, really well, well written. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I really enjoyed that. It didn't just kind of it wasn't like an amalgamation of a bunch of things. It was just these two characters. Boom. Yeah, their journeys like there were there is some it was done well where, you know, there was some flashbacks because stuff. it allows you to focus on the little things. Yes. And and obviously the little things are there because they want you to pay attention to the little things as but well. There are so there's so many details that like you watch it for I I've seen the movie five or six times, but watching it last night was the first time I picked up when his mother said, you know, he had a few bad spills that I thought were going to break him and it's like holy shit this movie is about Elijah, not mm-hmm. David. And it's like because you don't think about it that way because the movies are always about the hero and the hero's journey and this film like like ashes is saying this is this is elijah price's journey like it's being told from a slightly different point of view but everything that he goes through he's being pushed and prodded like for lack of a better term he's david dunn's yoda Hmm. he's Mm. guiding him (laughs) Break like glass, I do. Yeah. Hero you are. Terrorist, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh. but yeah. uh, actually, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. What, no, no, I, no. I was actually just going to make a quick point going back to talking about the ending there uh, and how, how he had it all, uh, everything pretty much set up right out in the open and how you basically said it was like a confession for David to see this. Admittedly, you got to think about it. Um, that's how it is in the comic books. I mean, every villain keeps the plan right out there in the open in their secret lair, pretty much, which is exactly what he's done. Because in his mind, uh, like we said earlier, comic books depict uh, history. Um, comic books are art. He even says it. You know, this this is art. And um, art imitates life or life imitates art, however you want to say it. Um, I, I, I just feel like uh, that was him being the... the you know, living out the stereotypical comic book villain, uh, just playing the part. Like, you know, here's my plan right out in the open. Here, let me shake your hand, knowing damn well that once I do, uh, you're going to know exactly what I've done. And uh, the next point I want to make is that I'm actually surprised that it only took him three acts of terrorism to find his hero. Well, this also took place over many, many years. 
Uh, true, true. And he did have all those newspaper clippings, you know, on you know, on the wall about like Mexican mudslide and you know, oh, that's only right. an infant. That's so right. he was like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting for natural disasters. I'm gonna start causing my own shit. Yep. And then he gets to meet a convenient drunk guy in a bar who tells him that, you know, if you happen to burn the first couple of floors of a hotel, that whole thing will go up and smoke. I, oh, man, I talk like that at bars all the time when you get a few drinks in me. Uh, yeah, oh, no, man, just... my pin. Oh, man, if you want to get my money, all you have to do is access my pin. One, three, seven, five. Oh, man. That's, I'll just leave the card right here. Oh, by the way, if you're looking to burn my house down, start at the basement. I got a gas line that just flows right through there. It'll take out the whole top floor. It's a piece of cake. I'll have no chance of getting out. I'm just saying, though, you have a good night. There are so many blind spots in my uh, security system. Like, it's but, not even funny. By the way, uh, black, uh, black handle, uh, silver gun. Yeah, me too. All right, just checking. Take care. Philadelphia, baby! Woo! <laughs> Go Eagles! Fly, Eagles, fly! <laughs> I'm headed on down to Patty's Pub. Every day. Just every day in Philly, baby. Uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, like that's that's pretty much the, the whole thing. Um, to kind of expand a little bit on your point, I think this... Uh, I think this was... Almost like a more nuanced form of monologuing when he leaves everything out in the open. Instead of saying what his plan is, yep. he's yep. Got, he he like kind of tries to Kaiser Soze his way in. So, yeah, no, I hear you. That's a, that's a good way of looking at it too. Yeah, for sure. because um, he would know that you don't you don't monologue, but. <laughs> So I think that's going to kind of wrap up this discussion. I think we've got a, a pretty good handle on the character. Um, actually, the two characters, I should say. Sorry. Um, so we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we have a voicemail that we received while we were recording. Oh. And uh, I think there's a question in there. So I'd like to I'd like to get to that question. And then we'll give a preview of next week's show. And then we'll wrap up. So, uh, we will be back in just a moment. Hello! This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Patrick Rahal in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rahal in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rahal. In the motherfucking house. Patrick Wayne In the motherfucking house. 
And we are back. I wish everyone could see what a huge dork you are sitting there, like rocking out to your song, like with metal horns. I like, saw that. I wasn't going to say anything. He's in there like throwing <laughs> horns in the it's studio, like, like rocking back and forth. Like, Listen, when you have kinda a Kind of like when you go to a metal show and you see like, you know, 13, 14, 50 year old uh, kids there and you look over and you see their parents and their parents are trying to be like super supportive. So their parents are sitting there like throwing the horns, just like nodding their head back and forth. Like, yeah. Hold on. Let me adjust my fanny pick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to video you next time. That's fine. (laughs) So uh, we do have some feedback from our good buddy, yeah, it's still going. It's still going. Listen, when I you just get like seeing you try to talk over it. When you get a song from Tiny White, you can play it as much as you want. Okay, that was my that was my ringtone for the longest time. You got to listen after the credits for that one. Yeah. Live will be jealous. He's to rig like a motherfucker. So we have a, a, a an email from uh, our good buddy Evil Corny who sent in uh, his thoughts. Uh, while we were recording, nice. So I didn't. I had to figure out which show. So, so, he, so no, no time to vet it, huh? No, I have no idea what it's in. He, I just said which show is it for. It just says glass commit question. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> let's play it and let's see what happens. Hey guys, this is Evil Corny. Today, I, before I had technical difficulties, I sat down and watched Unbreakable. Really enjoyed the film this time around. I hadn't seen it in several years. Um, and I was pretty much waiting on seeing this and Split a couple of days before I sat down and watched, um, you know, Glass. But um, one of the things that I was kind of wondering um, or have a bit of a prediction with, I wonder, I was wondering if um, anybody else kind of picked up on that um, Mr. Glass's mother kind of encourages him to go in the direction he's going in. You know, even like past, like introducing him to comics. Um, in that trailer for Glass, it seems like um, she, unless it's just being around her son, um, came knows a little bit about comic book lore and everything. And um, I just want to know from you all if you all think that she's, you know, kind of putting things in his head or putting him in the direction of becoming a villain. Uh, Y'all have a good one. Evil Cornet, out. That's a good way of looking at it. I never really thought And that's Evil Corny, not Evil Horny. (laughs) 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 Got your mess up one. Post-credits. This is what happens Uh, when we don't vet the voicemail. You mess up once. Just got burned. This is this is what <laughs> And that's the show. We'll see you next Thursday. <laughs> You'd think that when you drag it into the player, it shouldn't start playing until you hit play, right? Oh, I thought you were just doing that for like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> for like oh hey. <laughs> Hurry along, guys. Hurry along. No, just I that was a total oh. mistake. See, it's the new software. He's getting all the kinks out. It's like, oh I I don't care if I fuck up this show as long as trick or treat radio is good.
No, honestly, I'd rather fuck fuck my own show up. <laughs> hey, you don't but need any. But it's either help. this. <laughs> you got Raven's shadow. True. It's either this or you don't get any any you know interstitials because otherwise it would be impossible to play. So yeah, it's it's crazy. But at least we know now it works. But yeah, that's uh, I never really thought of it like that. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. It's it's an innocuous way of kind of looking at things. And if you kind of yep. pair that with some of the stuff that Robin Wright says to Joseph, like especially when the the scene where he's getting ready to shoot Bruce Willis, um, that sometimes when people's uh people's bodies are hurt their minds get hurt as well you know and he even mentions he goes you know you know i was in the hospital so much you know i all i basically could do was read so he kind of immersed himself you know the way some people will train themselves train their bodies to be incredible athletes he trained his mind and kind of got himself in this this uh, perpetual cycle that just kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, he eventually was going to be right. And even if he wasn't, no matter what, he wasn't going to stop looking. You know, and he, it makes sense. You know, it's, it's a logical thing. If I, if there's someone like me, there has to be someone on the opposite end. There has to be a yin to the yang. There has to be a dark to the light. There has to be an opposite side of the coin. You know, and again, it's the same thing we said multiple times. It's for the greater good. In his uh, in his eyes, he's doing it for the greater good. Yeah, I've killed hundreds of people, but how many people will, you know, David save with the realization of his powers? And I think that's kind of his motivation. I don't think she did this intentionally. And she may have sort of, I don't know, turned a blind eye to what he was doing the way mothers tend to do. Where it's like, oh, my son's not that bad. He just really likes comic books. And look, he's successful. He's a businessman. He's not on drugs. You know, look what he's he's able to do. I mean, he's got that oh, high end art gallery. He's still alive. That's the thing. Like, I, I think from a mother's perspective, she can't really see anything wrong with him because he's still alive. My she son's wanted, still here. Yeah, she wanted him my, to my get precious out and baby do is still here, and he's he's you know yeah he's doing things and he's successful and he's productive and he's he's living his life like the child who was up in his room who wouldn't go outside who wouldn't cross the street now owns a gallery mm-hmm. and is driving a car and is 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 a productive you know member of society now productive is is you know. A loose term, you know, whether you're... Well, he's contributing he, to the economy and... I mean, he's, you know, I was just saying, you know, good or bad, he's going still... going into the Right, like good system. or bad, you know, he's still being productive in some way. So I think she was just so grateful, you know. Uh, uh, it's easy for a mother to have kind eyes towards Looking at him children. with rose-colored glasses. Yes. What do you think there, Ripkin? 
Uh, I I think the movie makes it uh, pretty clear uh, at the end when uh, David goes to the the gallery at limited edition that his mother's there and the the big group of people are there. Uh, The movie does a very good job of making it clear that she does know her comic books almost just as well as her son does. Uh, She goes on to explain one of the pieces to David in like full detail, uh, um, you know, basically try, I guess, trying to sell him on it, but yeah, explains the whole piece to him. So she definitely knows her stuff. So, uh, which makes me, uh, agree with ashes in a way that I don't think there's really any way that she couldn't not see that there's probably something a little off with her son, but you know, it's, it's, it's like you know he's, she's a, a, he's she's, a good boy exactly exactly he's oh a good he, he just, boy oh he just likes comic books you know like they're 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 all he's read like patsy said you know they're they're all he's had his time for so he's just really into them that's understandable like that's he's made a career off of it why should i be upset about that oh yeah but you don't think it's weird that he's like super psychotic and like a bit of a sociopath no he's such a good boy what are you talking about right? look at this he's... nice store like it's kind of like how not my son how Prior yeah. to uh, prior to all the things that he did, Ed Gein was like super into like stories about cannibals and and <coughs> anatomy texts, <coughs> and we saw where that went. Well, I was going to say there's <laughs> a lot of um, stories out there about serial killers who are huge mamas boys. Yeah, most of them. They love their mothers, and their mothers love them. And, you know, whether or not their mothers are aware of their extracurricular activities, we'll call it that, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a, a mother doesn't want to believe the worst of their child because it's a reflection on them, ultimately. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, um, so sometimes it's easier to just turned a blind eye and be ignorant to it and sometimes it's just it's, I, I seriously think sometimes they just don't know yeah you know what i mean because it's just you know my my, my boy's a good boy yeah my boy's sure. a good boy you know yep. so just a mother's love mm-hmm. a, a mother's yeah. love yeah so i it'll actually be interesting to see and i know i'm jumping the gun here it'll actually be really interesting to see uh, if she has a role in Glass, she does have a role in Glass, doesn't she? Yeah, I think? she's she's in it. As, yeah, as is the kid who played Joseph. Yes, so, yeah, I hate like, that kid. But it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if they're actual characters or if they're flashback. No, they're they're actual the, characters. Okay, yeah. in, the, in the trailer yeah. they show just, the two of them. Okay, I haven't really seen a trailer current for, so, current okay. ages standing with Anya Taylor Joy. Like they're all yeah. standing together. Okay, I haven't seen yeah, yeah. that trailer. So um, I think Glass will definitely like. I mean, obviously, Glass will flesh out uh, that entire relationship, I think, between the mother and son, uh, depending on her, like the size of her role. But assuming I like knowing that she's in the movie, I have no doubt that they'll uh, at least flesh out something. So it'll be interesting to see how she how she plays it out. Like, yes, uh, I think I think Ashes again is right. I think she'll be the type of mother who actually goes and like visits him in this facility and like still still treats him like the baby that he is and like still you know like still mothers him and shit like as if like this is nothing oh this is this is still normal that he's here oh he's still a good boy like yep uh, you know probably try to convince the nurses that i i i could see that being the case but i have no doubt that the movie will uh you know it'll flesh it out for us and uh we'll get to see exactly did his mother know the whole time that she was pretty much creating a psychopath or was she just kind of blinded by a mother's love sort of thing 
And we would like to hear what you folks out there think. You know, hit us up on social media or send us an email like Corny did or a voicemail, voice message through to Throwdown Thursday podcast at gmail.com. And uh, Ripkin, we want to thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, tell the fine folks out there, uh, if they don't know already, uh, where they can find you. Uh, well, you can find me personally on Twitter at RipkinWN. That's also my Instagram. However, I'm not too active on Instagram, admittedly. Um, you can follow the Derailers podcast on Twitter at The Derailers. Um, follow my co-host Goobs on Twitter. He's at GoobsWN. Uh, Derailed Wrestling, which you can watch on YouTube if you're a wrestling fan. Um, it's just WWE 2K19 with a whole colorful roster of characters, including... Ashes Fawn Nightmare and Patsy the Angry Nerd, as well as a bunch of our other somebody's friends. Uh, check that out on YouTube. Follow them on Twitter at Rassle Nerds. There's a big, uh, there's a big match coming up, isn't there? Big, big, huge ladder match coming up at some point soon. Hopefully, uh, within like the next month or so, uh, it'll be the not the next episode, but the episode after that. Um, and then check out the Secret Levels podcast, which also features my co-host from the D-Rails podcast, Goobs, as well as our good friend, Toby Von Doom. They talk about retro video games and stuff like that. Follow them on Twitter at Secret Levels Pod. And I, I think that's that's pretty much it. I think I, I think I covered all the bases. Uh, you can find the Derailers podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. We're now on Spotify, nice. and we're slowly getting back onto YouTube. So some of our older videos are up on YouTube, and newer ones should automatically just go to YouTube. So, bam, there it is. Excellent. So thanks for coming on. And uh, Ripken's actually going to join us next week because we're going to yeah. be discussing – uh, the second part of this trilogy, we're going to be discussing Split, and we're going to be talking uh, James McAvoy's cavalcade of characters. Ooh, alliteration. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this one. So uh, I think with that being said, we, we will, will see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Just drag it back and now, there. And now when I want to. <laughs> I guess you're going to drag her from this man. Do you guys want to do that one more time? We will see see you next Thursday. Thursday. (laughs) There we go. Yes, history!